1: Yes, it is. And welcome back as we hit into our two of our daily three hour tour this Monday, May 16th, 2022. It is a delight to bring back uh, Professor Mark Bauerlein, uh, Emeritus English Professor at Emory University, editor at First Things, author of uh, a brand new book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up from Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. Uh, he's written some other books as well that uh, I think is the reason I was thinking he was the guest I wanted to talk to today. The Digital Divide is an older book of his, arguments for and against Facebook, Google, texting, and the age of social networking. In light of what transpired with this 18-year-old in, um, in Buffalo, Mark Bauerlein is exactly who I was looking forward to talking to. Mark, thanks for making time today at the last minute for us. Really appreciate it
2: always glad to join you Seth I love your show
1: well thank you I love yours I should I should say I, I do love yours you have one too you have a podcast uh, if you want to say something about that to the audience go right ahead if you'd like to
2: uh, run a podcast twice a week at first things magazine at firstthings.com. focused on books uh, most of the time religious political cultural issues try to have intelligent guests on to to talk about uh, something they've been working on for uh, a few years, and um, we get a nice audience. We get up to twenty thousand, twenty-five thousand downloads per that episode. Good.
1: That's good. That's a bigger classroom than you and I ever taught in front of, probably, right?
2: <laughs> Certainly,
1: probably. <laughs> I don't mean I don't mean that pejoratively, just descriptively. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So the dumbest look. One thing we can't avoid. Uh, at least I can't, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. One thing I can't avoid about what happened in Buffalo. Is the age of this person that it seems a lot of people, way too many people, are taking too seriously. I just don't believe 18 year olds should be taken that seriously. I just don't. Uh, for one. Uh, The second, if you are fortunate enough to be able to look at some of what this guy's uh, meanderings uh, were about, a lot of it is social media based. A lot of it is about how he learned his views from his time in isolation from COVID on social media. Are we seeing a confluence of things that you've been working on for many years here, Mark? Or am I just going down a dark hole that doesn't exist?
2: Well, it's, it's hard not to speculate on these things, I've, I've read pieces of the manifesto, and certainly read a lot of the commentary uh-huh. about what what happened, and and in social media on on Twitter, right. let's say. And and the, the the thing that I would always say about these situations: this is a horrifying event, and the motivations that go into this kind of insanity are always going to be highly individualized and complicated, and what. Uh, what we see, however, about, without going into too much detail, we can say, what kind of world, Seth, what kind of universe does an 18-year-old look at? When he's he's on the verge of leaving home, he's going out there to start working or start going to college, going to be independent, he's going to be a little bit vulnerable in a way that he hadn't been in, in at home, even if the home is a chaotic place it's a familiar place for that person now there's a great big world out there what kind of world is it and what do we see well what is social media him? what does tv show him i mean if you go into uh i mean i don't have satellite tv i go in sometimes i travel and i'll, I'll, I'll go to a hotel and it's you know eight o'clock at night and i'm lying down i just hit on the tv and flo- scroll through the channels and it is one bizarre image and statement after another. I mean, it, it is a very strange universe that we are occupying now. I mean, the way people talk about sexuality, uh, what what you see on, I mean, things, you know, you've got the obvious examples like Drag Queen Story Hour about about people on TV twerking, right? Right in front of millions of, of others, the language, just the behavior is getting so coarse And again, unpredictable, weird, chaotic in this world. And then of course, if you're 18, you've been hearing in school and through Hollywood, the media, what a horrible place America is. Racism, phobia, sexism, phobias of various kinds. And you just wonder, what what, what am I entering? Where do I found, where do I find foundation? Where do I find stability? Right? They don't let any prayer be muttered in, in public schools. Right? They don't tell us that there are certain great works that everyone should read and understand. There's no tradition that I feel like I live in the shadow of. Families break up all over the place. So there's no, there's no family lineage that most kids feel that they are descendants of they just are no wonder they feel rootless uh misunderstood and a lot of them feel betrayed when they get out there 20 25 years old and life just seems to them uh again unpredictable right it's not a world for them and of course there's no gratitude then that they feel for anything so i think it's extremely difficult and then we add the pandemic let's put kids let's put 16-year-olds in a room, Seth, let's tell them it's very, very dangerous out there. Don't go outside. We're going to put police tape around the park. Don't see your friends face-to-face and get on that screen to do school for six or seven hours, even though it's the same screen on which you play video games, in which you do TikTok videos, in which you communicate back and forth and gossip and, and do the selfies and everywhere else. Yeah. Let's just tie them into this little room for two years. At that age, and when when they're they're, and when they're
1: healthy and normal, tell them that they're not, and make them afraid of each other. That's right, right. Make them afraid of each other. Mm
2: -hmm. Go outside and everyone's wearing a mask.
1: Right, right.
2: Everyone is all covered up. Now, I mean, it's for thirty-year-olds. They're going to experience that much differently than fifteen and sixteen-year-olds are going to experience it. So. This, I think it is an awful thing that our culture, our society has done to teenagers at the present time. And we're going to see, well, we're already seeing that rate of, of anxiety and depression. You go talk to school counselors right now in high schools, they've never seen the level of kids coming in with problems. Not, have neither have emergency
1: before. department rooms seen the level of, uh, of, 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 of admissions and uh, emergency, uh, emergency department admissions due to suicidal thoughts uh, amongst teenagers, particularly young girls. Fifty percent increase on young women, adolescents on suicide thoughts huh. and, and attempts. Well, and
2: I'm, I'm in the college. I've I been mean, in the college world. You go ask college teachers now. They will tell you, my goodness, this year's class. Freshman class this year, they didn't show up to class less. They showed up less than any cohort they've ever seen. They didn't really do their homework, and they kind of didn't care. There was a listlessness and a disengagement among among young people this year. And you want to say to all those leaders who shut down this whole country, who made very safe, healthy 15-year-olds feel you're vulnerable, You could die. You could die. What? How many of those people had children who were going to be to bear the brunt of this lockdown? And how much was it just done for political purposes? How much was it done in order for politicians to feel like they're 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 protecting their own skin by listening to public health experts who always have an imagination of disaster in their heads? Terrible leadership. And the kids are suffering the most.
1: Well, uh, Mark Bauerland, I need you for the next 10 hours. You gave me so much in that opening statement. So uh,
0: <laughs> go get your
1: razor and your toothbrush. <laughs> We're gonna. Do you have a little time for me? I've got a lot to ask you. You got a little bit of time sure. for us? Sure thing, sure thing. Thank you. We're talking to Professor Mark Bauerline. his most recent book, brand new, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up from Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. i got to head to a break, Mark, and we'll do it. But, you know, I'm seized on what you said. The first question you wanted to ask is, I think I wrote it down correctly, what kind of universe does an 18-year-old live in? And from there, a lot of questions need to be asked and answered. And one of them, I suppose, you're right, Leaving a household is probably uh, going to be true for an, uh, an awful lot of them, if not a majority. Uh, maybe one of the things they are doing when they leave that household is looking for um, agreement or confirmation of what they already think. And maybe that's why they go to some of these places that can end up, you know, working just enough to radical, radicalize that which we've just enough made mentally unstable. Let, let, me, let, me, let me plumb some of that with you when we come back. Our guest is Mark Bauerlein. He is uh, the d- author of The Dumbest Generation Grows Up from Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. It's the follow-on book to his previous book, The Dumbest Generation, How the Digital Age Stupifies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future. He's Professor Bauerlein. I'm Seth Liebson. We will be right back.
2: Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Dr.
1: Mark Bauerlein is our guest. His most recent book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, From Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. Not only has he been uh, responsible for educating a great many uh, young adults uh, through his career as a professor of uh, English literature, but uh, his uh, outside academic work has been um, also uh, addressing itself to children, how they learn, and influences of social media. uh, Professor, um, before... Before we just went on air, I got an email for a question to run by you, and you're absolutely right to focus where you have focused. The question is this. This is a world and an environment that children or young adults, kids, whatever we want to say, this is a world that adults have created and given to them. At some point, do we need a book? Is there a responsibility for not just adults, but even the parents of some of these children.
2: Well, this is part of the sad condition of it all, is that a whole lot of parents love to hand these kids these tools and send them upstairs and use them as a babysitter. Mm. In the same way they used to use TV as a babysitter 30 or 40 years ago. the, The blame has to go with the mentors of all kinds at this point. Everyone who is a supervisor of the young. Parents, teachers, uh, journalists who who have a youth audience, entertainers, celebrities, and look at what they've done. Silicon Valley, who created all of these tools for these kids and hired psychologists who were experts in addiction and persuasion Mm. to help them design these tools. Those parents in Silicon Valley, they're smart enough to keep the tools away from their own kids. Mm -hmm. They send their kids to non-high tech schools like Waldorf Schools there in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. and then pedal these tools and games and, and TikTok and everything else to the rest of the country's children. And look, parents, they can't over they can't overcome it. Even even vigilant parents, you're fighting against a cultural and economic juggernaut to get these tools in kids' hands and to get them. To use them because they're making a whole lot of money. It's,
1: it's not. Possible. It's not a new problem in a sense. I was. Just, you just took me back to uh, a memory I had, circa 1992. <clears throat> Bill Bennett, Dolores Tucker, and a few others were kind of railing against the um, entertainment industry, particularly the rap lyrics. Um, uh, uh, moguls huh. and they went to a shareholders meetings and uh, meeting and bill asked i forget what company it was so i don't want to say it in case i'm wrong but one of the major companies everyone would know it um he, he asked the ceo if he would let his children listen to the lyrics of one of their most popular songs that you know you can use your imagination and the man said oh no uh, the ceo said oh no huh. I, I would not let my children listen to this stuff never right happy to well, make hundreds of millions of dollars on others yeah. doing it
2: you know, I, I lived in New York uh, for for a few years, took the subways and buses a lot because I was traveling uh, often at night uh, or even during the day. You see the guys on the subway. They got the butt into into their ears mm-hmm. and you can you can actually overhear the, the music and the lyrics. They've got it so loud. that I was just thinking this stuff is being pumped into young guys. Most of the girls love it. Girls love it, too this garbage is being poured into their heads nonstop hours every day and you could see in these guys faces they're in another universe yeah they're living in rap hip hop world yeah they're not they're not they don't even notice the world around them and if people think that this they won't, hey, well that's just their choice you know that you, like, you got to let people do whatever they want to if they like that kind of stuff you got to let them do it boy does that let what is that, let let that led our society off the hook. And now we're seeing, we are seeing the results of a culture of coarseness and vulgarity and glorifications of violence. Isn't it funny to hear Hollywood people respond to actual shooting deaths yeah. with how awful it is? Yeah. You make tons—you make
3: billions yeah. of
2: dollars oh. making movies glorifying violence, aestheticizing blood and bullets, showing it in slow motion, bullets hitting bodies. Cool, man. You make a ton of money off of this. And then you get up there and virtue signal uh, about about these episodes. They're talking about white supremacy. Oh, my goodness. How do you people live with yourselves?
1: I'm writing this down, aestheticizing bloods, bullets, and all that rape to that uh, and tr- make it a trilogy if I can. Professor, huh. uh, uh, I, I'm going to attribute it to you if you'll let me. <laughs> so that, that's, of that's, that's an important line to help argue. Uh, the, this problem, you think about the scale too. Um, it was, I think, 1963. It was during the Kennedy administration, John, John Kennedy administration, when Newton Minow, the head of the F, uh, FCC, gave the speech about TV being the vast wasteland and how empty right. an offering it was giving children, from which developed some notions of education TV, some of which was better, some of which was worse, but never really entered the mainstream much outside of, I guess, PBS. and And you think about how we've come. When in 1963 he was concerned, and I suppose now it's it's he's still alive. Gosh, I don't know if he's if he's if if he's sentient anymore. But my gosh, it would be interesting to think about what he's witnessed in that trajectory, huh?
2: Yeah, I know. His daughter has been the dean of uh, Harvard Law School. Oh, okay. Is in, that? In oh, fact. really?
1: Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, so he's very successful, for very successful for children. But yeah, he talked in that speech about things like Western. Yeah. You know, yeah. Shows, shows like Gunsmoke yeah. and, and Laredo, yeah. these old Western shows. Boy, you watch those today. And you you think, wait a minute, they were objecting to that? <laughs> but this is all the trend of what Moynihan called defining deviancy downward, right? right? right. I mean, right. things just keep getting, the, the window on what is acceptable, what is, what is recognizable or allowable, keeps just getting moved farther and farther down into the gutter. And if Newton Minow, you know, if if he were 30 years old and you you showed him or or you brought him back and made him, you know, I I imagine he's, he's passed away by now. But if you brought him back now and showed him TV, he would just shake and say, what in the world is this? I mean, this is a freak show that I'm that I'm looking at 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 this point. I mean. A guy walks up on stage on the on the uh, award show and smacks another smacks the host right across the face and then goes and sits down and starts throwing f words
1: and gets an award that night for the best.
2: Yeah, Uh, Yeah. indeed, indeed. You know what 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 kind of now kids watching this? Kids watching or kids watching? You know, sports on ESPN. You watch the highlights on ESPN. That half of the highlights are not the court are yep. not the game. Right. It's a guy celebrating, yep. right? Yep. It's a guy thumping his chest. Yep. It's a guy trash-talking yep. another. This is what they see as the way behavior is supposed to be.
1: Let me do this. Let me take another quick break, if I can, Professor, and uh, come back, because I want to talk about the way—circle uh, back to your, your first answer, which— it is so rich. Uh, I want to mine some of it. This part about using children to soothe adult, what anxieties, paranoias, yeah. you name it. Uh, I'm Seth Liebson. He's Professor Mark Bauerlein. His book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up from Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. For those of you looking for a remarkable and unique investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at Y-Refi. They have a great product. It's a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi helps people to dig out of debt and doing so the right way. They even get their FICO scores fixed along the way. Y Refi is a due diligence approved firm run by really good people who are doing really well by helping others, and you can too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y dot com. Professor Mark Bauerline is our guest. He is the author, most recently, of the brand new book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up from Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. Mark, there's so many ways to look at the kinds of things we 're talking about with eighteen year olds gone wrong or anyone uh, any adolescent gone wrong, and part of it is uh, I think what we've done in 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 um, in, in in creating uh, children in adult bodies. The other part of it I think is um, well there's this old French revolution line. Um, uh, that every revolution eats its own children. I looked that quote up. The full quote is like Saturn. Every revolution eats its own children. You, a literar- per- literature professor, knows what that means. What it means is Saturn was afraid of his children, so he devoured them. He was afraid they would overthrow him, so he devoured him. I think about the COVID experience as an experience of adults using children to soothe their anxieties and fearful of uh, uh, adults making children feel like they should be afraid of the children. And I think that has caused damage, the likes of which learning loss won't even begin to touch.
2: You know, one of the things that happened, I I, I would put this in the 60s and 70s with the youth movement. It was stunning how a college president in 1950 was an unquestioned authority figure. I mean, even even up through the early 60s, do you remember Dean Wormer? In an Animal House, yeah, of course, sure, yes, he, he's he's my hero. <laughs> okay, uh, now, but Dean I'm by by 1975, 1980, the authority, the moral authority, had, had shifted to the young. You know, you 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 suddenly had teachers who wanted to have more child-centered classrooms, colleges wanted to create all these electives. They got rid of Western civilization requirements. They got all these electives, and they usually did it not out of some multiculturalist rationale, but let's let the kids choose. Let's let them take ownership of their own education. And I was like, are you scared of being an authority before the kids? Do you, do you have so little conviction in yourself and, and what you stand for, your own training, that you're willing to turn the choices over to the charges that you're supposed to be guiding in some way. What is wrong with you people? But this really was a, a big factor in the boomers. And it's one reason why the boomers refused to be guides, stages, mentors who were going to exert any solid traditional supervision of the young I, I don't get it. I mean, it's, it's something I genuinely do not understand. And when someone else comes along who does try to be an authority figure—not authoritarian, but an authority figure over the young—all those other boomers who didn't like being that themselves—they got angry. Yeah, that person.
1: yeah, yeah.
2: You're you're oppressing them. Yeah. You're 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 being you're being too rigid. Yeah,
1: they have their own truth; they have to They're express. Their, and, yeah, and yeah.
2: The line always was, "Who are we to tell them?" Who it's, uh, are we it, yes, for to certain.
1: If for certain, that came from one direction. The other direction, I think it came out of Berkeley, uh, University of California, Berkeley in the '60s. Don't trust anyone over thirty. Right? I mean, that really did take hold.
2: Yeah, yeah, and they. But, but, what, what stunned me is how quickly. The elders paid. I mean, how few of them were willing to tell the protesters, hey, be quiet, go back to the library, and read your book. You have nothing to say right now. I love You're that. I, Mark, I
1: love it. I, I, this was a short segment. You got time for one more. It's a longer one. Can I keep you one more segment?
2: Sure thing.
1: Sure I, thing. I, thank you. You're such a valuable resource for us. And to me, I learned from you one of the best professors I never had, Professor Mark Bauerlein. His book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up from Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. We'll be right back.
2: Welcome back
1: to the Seth Liebson Show. Um, we are delighted. I am privileged and honored uh, to have uh, Professor Mark Bauerlein with us. His most recent book, You'll Want It, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up from Stupefied Youth to dangerous adults, uh, you'll you'll hear you'll hear him talking about it uh, from time to time on some of our uh, ads here, which I'm delighted uh, that we are uh, carrying, Professor. Um, what do you say about uh, some in your profession? There was an old uh, Oxford professor, John Alexander Smith, who said something like, uh, "The chief purpose of education is to know when a man is talking rot, R O T, rot," and. Uh, You know, I mean, we we, we send a lot of people send their kids off to college. I I did okay. You obviously did okay. A lot of them don't do okay, and we're putting them in the hands and minds and really souls of people who I think um, are very dangerous. Uh, And we used to say, well, you know, that's just college stuff, Uh, they'll grow out of it. Um, that 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 nonsensical set of relativist postmodern ideas leaked from the ivory tower lab, and I think it's been more toxic than what leaked from the Wuhan virology lab because it affected our brains, not our lungs.
2: I would say that one of the strongest impulses in the humanities in the last forty years was to break down the distinction between uh intelligence statements and rock Okay. They got very relativistic about truth, very relativistic about facts, about knowledge. Well whose facts? Whose truth? Whose knowledge? The whole idea was to undermine certainly any sense of tradition to make logic politicized wherever they could politicize it. And but this has made it very hard for young people to distinguish rock from solid, intelligent, factual, or properly spiritual discourse. Rot thrives now like it never did before. And it's not just because of the media environment. It is because the academic killed the distinction uh, between, let's say, a disinterested pursuit of knowledge— and a subjective or politicized pursuit of knowledge. They destroyed that. Everything is political, they said. Everything's political. Everything is a matter, everything is biased. And, of course, no one exemplified that condition better than they did. Uh, Of course, they always felt that they were in the possession of the right way of thinking, the right way of thinking. But, again, they sort of applied it. Well, we are the good people. Mm-hmm. Why do we tell the truth? Not because it's the truth, but because we're the good ones.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We are the virtuous ones. And so what did what did the kids take from this? Well, they take this if you are one of the virtuous ones, which means that you believe certain political axioms and, and positions, well, then no matter what you do, it's okay, because you're a good person. You are in the camp of the anointed. One. So it's okay to cancel other people because they're the bad ones. What a nice world this is. We've got your good guys and we've got some bad guys, and we would get a happier, better, freer world if we just get rid of the bad ones. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's right, uh, Professor. We're talking to Professor Mark Bauerlein, editor at First Things, I should mention as well, a tremendous publication has his own podcast there. And The Dumbest Generation Grows Up is his most recent book, From Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. Whenever I talk education, uh, Mark, I, I love using this quote. Can I throw one more quote at you to springboard off of however you want? It's, it's, it's from Leo Strauss. We're a Leo Strauss safe radio show here. We, 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 we use him a lot here. Liberal education is liberation from vulgarity. The Greeks had a beautiful word for vulgarity. They called it apyrokalia, lack of experience in things beautiful. Liberal education supplies us with experience in things beautiful. Boy, that's gone, isn't it?
2: It it sure is. I mean, we have have an intellectual class that often revels in vulgarity. I remember it was in the 80s that I, I found that my humanities professors, the younger ones, and especially into the 90s, they started doing things like writing and talking about Madonna oh. video. Right. Instead of, you know, the great book. Oh, it was a class. Culture. I remember
1: classes like this, you know, Madonna yeah, and Society or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And 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 the the 18 year olds thought it was really, really cool. I mm-hmm. mean, this is so much more cool than Paradise Lost. Right, right, Millennium right. Wordsworth, Who needs Milton
1: man? when Madonna's teaching us things? Yeah, she's Yeah, a, yeah. you know, let's,
2: let's write about the Terminator movie. Right. Uh, and and – This is, of course, again, uh, uh, such a decline. You want to say to these people who would fancy themselves rebels and and rogues, you want to say, you guys are just going along with the whole culture. You're not a rebel. You're a total conformist. Mm -hmm. It's actually the old English professors who wore their tweed sport coats and came in a little disheveled and started quoting Shakespeare's sonnet. He is. The real adversarial culture. Right, he is the one trying to hold the line. He's fighting the battle all alone. Yep. You guys are just going along with Hollywood and and with you know the the, the youth movement of the time and the record industry. Oh my goodness, what a bunch of conformists you guys are! Stop complimenting yourselves on your your roguishness.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mark, by, by gosh, there's a lot of work to do here. There's a lot of work to do. Is it fixable? I guess that's my last question for, for you. I, you. You
2: assume it is. You're so, an optimist. I, I'm, I'm going to mention one bright spot here. Okay. okay. Classical education in America in the primary and secondary schools is exploding. Yeah. They can't keep up with the parents' demands. You're right. To get their kids in schools where they're reading old fashioned books You're right. and they're studying Latin. And and French and European languages, they're doing religion as well in in these schools. The demand is there. And a whole lot of these parents, they're not social conservative, super religious people. A lot of them are liberal parents who understand, at least, they may vote Democratic, but they know they need to have their kids read good things. They need to protect their kids from this awful culture. They certainly shouldn't be listening to Nancy Pelosi. About anything, they should be reading Shakespeare. So this is this is a bright spot. This is a sign. That's a good point. It, it really is. I I've talked with the numbers on these people. They've got the numbers. Oh, you're totally you're
1: totally right. We have Great Hearts Academies here that are yeah. The, the waiting list is long. You're right. You're totally right about that. People are searching for it. They're craving for it. After so much cotton candy, they realize you know steak and potatoes is a lot different. Yeah, you know. Yep. Yeah. Professor Bauerlein, let me give your book one more uh, mention here. The dumbest generation grows up from stupefied youth to dangerous adults. Um, sir, what can I say except thank you? I wish there were better words for it in the English language. Maybe you know what they are, but thank you for <laughs> what you do and who you are. Really appreciate it, as well as your time with us.
2: Happy to join you anytime, Seth.
1: Bless you, sir. Godspeed, and uh, hope to talk to you again soon over over good things. Uh As we go to break, let me put in a word for the Midas Gold Group, sponsors of this show, helping us communicate. And, boy, I'll tell you, I love these guys. I've been with them, my own silver and metal from the Midas Gold Group, veteran-owned. Give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. Use the gold and silver dealer that Seb Gorka, I, and thousands of you already do, the Midas Gold Group. Be right back. There was a uh, particularly bad month in the uh, political career of uh, the Secretary of Education for Ronald Reagan, William Bennett. Every uh, editorial in the country's major newspapers was calling on him to resign. And there was a cabinet meeting where uh, he knew this was going to be addressed. And he sits down at the cabinet meeting and Ronald Reagan, President Reagan, has a file titled Bennett. And he reads some of these headlines. Bennett must go. Bennett must resign. Bennett must be fired. Bennett, the new James Watt of the administration. Ronald Reagan's reading these and Bill says, I can kind of feel the seats at the cabinet table moving farther and farther away from me. And then Reagan puts the articles down and he says, that's what Bennett's been up to. What's the matter with the rest of you? I kind of feel that way about Dana and Chandler sometimes. Dana is a one woman army in Chandler. What's the matter with the rest of them? Dana, how are you? What's up?
3: great I'm, I'm carefully listening and you died your death was great and i think he's spot on but he's forgetting one part of the puzzle and yes, that ma'am. is these millennials that have grown up behaving this way and learning all these things are now the mental health providers themselves
1: oh my gosh you're right <laughs> about a lot of that oh my gosh you are right yep you're
3: yeah right. i'm dealing with one right now yep, who's you're right you you know it's they don't know they've not experienced I don't think they've even been taught human nature that if you confront your neighbor, you're going to be met with probably defiance and denial. Right. I mean, we just don't confront people like that. I have really
1: bad news for you. I try to be encouraging, but I can't be on this issue, Dana. It's worse than you think. And it's not just mental health providers. Take a look sometime online if you want any of the medical journals, literature and other fields as well. This is becoming the dream palace of the woke and the progressives. It really is. It's amazing what they have done in all medicine, not just mental health. Not just.
3: Yes. And we can't expect them to encounter people like this 18-year-old and know what to do with them.
1: Right. 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 Exactly.
3: You know, I, I just, I feel sorry. It's like, my gosh, if my neighbor thinks that I'm a crazy person. What's going to happen when she really encounters a crazy
1: person? It's a shame that it took really political scientists with a few guts here and there um, to point out the mental health catastrophe we were on the road to when the mental health community was zipped shut quiet during the entire torturing of children for two and a half years to soothe adult anxieties. Where were they? Where were they? Nowheresville. And now they're just repeating to us the statistics. That they have wrought while they were censoring us. Dana, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you pointed that out and brought that piece up as well. I'm Seth Leapson. My monologue, uh, I'm going to go into a bunch of this in depth out of Buffalo, my views on Buffalo. And then we got uh, Andy McCarthy. We will be right back.